Welcome to the Your Inner Babe podcast, Set That Bitch Free. I am beyond excited about our guest today. Before I started recording, I was actually telling her it's almost a year since I met this amazing human being. She is the creator of the self-care checklist. She's actually the queen of self-care in general. Actually, um, she's founder and CEO of Model Meals and the Brunch Series. And then let's not forget the fact that she's just an insanely gorgeous IMG Worldwide model. Danica, hi, I love you. You're so important to me. I mean, truly, you're just really inspiring and you're such a role model. And I love how non-negotiable your life is to you and how important you are to yourself and just how you show up all the time as you. So it's really amazing. So thank you for being you. And then thank you for being here. Can you call me every morning and give me that pep talk before I just do life in the morning? I'm going to add that to my self checklist. Uh, no, thank you so much, Jack. I can't. First of all, happy anniversary to us. It's been a beautiful year of knowing you. And thank you so much. I'm so honored to be on this podcast. I love the name. Um, and I love what it's, I love what you're all about. I'm lucky enough to know you personally and I love what you're all about. So really excited to chat with you today. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. And yeah, of course I'll call you every day. That's an excuse to call you every day. <laughs> but so I, you know, I, I don't know if you've been listening, but I start every conversation this way, just because, you know, my favorite thing to ask people is what's going well because I feel like we're just so programmed to focus on what's not going well. So I would love if you could give me a few things that are currently going well for you or have gone well, you know, within the last week or last month, whatever. I don't care how big or how small they are. Yeah, I love that question. Um, It's so important to celebrate our successes instead of just being like, okay, what's next or what didn't work or whatever. So definitely on board with that. Um, What's going well? Honestly, for me, the things that are going well are super simple. They're like the little life things. And for me, that's actually having a little bit of routine and consistency. Not that I don't typically, but I travel really, really often between the different areas of work that I do. And you know, it just adds a challenging layer of with the self-care piece, right? You're changing time zones all the time. Your sleep is affected. And so I've actually been home now for, I want to say almost two weeks, which to me is like a large stretch of time to not travel. And it feels so good. And and my my self-care routine has been so, so non-negotiable, which it always is. But for me, you know, there's always improvement, right? So it's been great. And I've been able to move my body every day or tune in on the days that it doesn't want to be moved and be more gentle and get consistent sleep and eat the kind of food I want to eat. And so that feels really, really good. And the other thing that's really been great is model meals, my passion project business that we're going to be four years old in August. And we have so much expansion happening right now. We're in this like mega growth spurt. We're opening a bunch more states, going to just be able to get our meals to so many more people. And it's just Model Meals is my happy place. We have the most incredible team. It's the reason that the business can be successful is it's a collaborative effort from a bunch of wonderful, hardworking people. And we're just expanding and, and people have been begging us to expand for so long. And we just wanted to make sure we perfected our service and our product and all that before we did. So just really excited about, about that and being home and just doing some normal life stuff, not being so fast, fast paced. Yeah. No, that all sounds amazing. Are you expanding to Chicago yet? Is that a thing? Or we're- <laughs> let's talk. Let's get to the important thing, right? Um, 
We, so not quite yet, but it's on the horizon. I would say one, two years max. Um, I know that sounds like a long time, but the most important thing for me is that we expand really mindfully. We never had investors. I'm not saying we never will, but we're really trying to grow this thing independently. And, you know, it's just a, it's a slow grow, especially with food and the way that we source our food. Building relationships with these small farms, they don't have necessarily the scale to provide you know, X amount of tomatoes or grass fed, pasture raised, you know, whatever. So there's a lot of moving factors. So slow grow, but give me like a year and a half to two years and I will be at your house in Chicago. Ah, Well, you can just come regardless, even if it's just like (laughs) you showing up with the model meals. Like I'm good with that. Even if it takes three years, Deal. nobody knows this, but I don't even know if you remember this, but you guys, like I first saw Danica on Chopped. She did an episode of Chopped. That was the first time I saw or like knew of you or learned of you. And I was sitting on my couch in my apartment in New York. And I was like, wow, this woman is so amazing. Like I was modeling at the time too. So I was like, oh my God, she's goals. Like I'm going to DM her on Instagram. So I DM Danica on Instagram and was like, if you need help, like I'm in New York, like I would love to help in any way with model meals and like never got a response. And it's like, it's so funny to think about that now so because sad. no, so sad, but I also like, I didn't know what fucking Instagram or how it works. You know, looking back on it, like it's hilarious. Of course you weren't going to respond to that, but no, the universe, but Jack, I knew <laughs> so many people who were like, I could not believe you responded. I really, really try to answer everything. So that's why I'm surprised. I'm not like, you know, but I'm really surprised. I don't know how I missed that. It makes me sad. No, I think what it really is. No, we were. The point is with this story is that we were meant to be because the universe ultimately brought us together just years later because of the brunch series. And I was given the opportunity and the honor of hosting the brunch series in Chicago last year, which is why it's almost our year. But I'm so glad that you like are back. And, and I would love if we could hear the latest, you know that sounds amazing with model meals and and all of that. But even the latest of like, what's up? Like, what's your routine now? You know, we were just talking about how we both love routines, like what's going on with the brunch series. You were just in Asia. Like, just tell me a little bit more, I guess, about like the current day in the life of Danica and like update me on all things brunch series. Yes. I promise if you DM me, I'll DM you back from now until forever. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. I love you. I love you. I really do try and make an effort. I I can't, I don't get to everything because I feel like if I wouldn't, if I sat in my DMs or I sat on Instagram all day, I really feel like I wouldn't practice what I preach. So I've kind of made it a commitment to do my best, you know, and to get to as much as I can. So I always say like, if people message me, message me again, it might have just been timing or anything, but you found me and I actually ended up at your house. So even better. Literally in my house. And your family, I'm in love with. I just feel you're, you guys are just magic. So anyway, what's going on now? Well, so just a quick little blurb about what the brunch series was. Last year, my partner, Billy, he's a chef. He and I went on the road for about, uh, I believe it was 10 months. And we did a tour for women around wellness and self-care and manifesting and mindful habits and confidence and all that sort of good stuff. Um, So we did this tour. We did 66 events. So Jack was one of the generous hosts who had us in her home. We did it in people's homes all over the United States. Uh, So it was incredible to connect with the community in that way, but it also took a whole lot out of us. So when we came back in November, we we were living in an RV for all that time or almost all of that time. When we came back in November, I was just depleted. 
you know, even through that whole thing, I was practicing a lot of self-care, but it was still too much, right? And and we can do all the meditation and get the sleep and do the workouts, but like there's a point where it's just too much, you know? And so I got back and, and it really took a toll on both of us. And my partner's in recovery and he speaks quite openly about um, his journey with addiction. And it just took a toll on both of us. So when we came back, we were really craving space. He, we lived separately for, well, we still live separately. We lived separately. We really looked at our relationship and our health and our wellness. And for me, it was just about how do I give myself more space? I don't feel the energy. I don't feel the motivation that I did once before. And I just stopped taking on projects for a while. And it wasn't like I paused my life. I was still modeling quite often and I was at model meals and stuff, but I wasn't ready to take on any new sort of projects that took too much out of me because I'm a big believer in just committing to things when I can give my 100%. So I'm not going to take on a coaching client or a, or a mastermind if I can't give my 100% to it. Um, so I've really taken the last six months to, to go more inward. I, you know, I work with a, a coach pretty regularly and um, I've gotten into the Al-Anon program as someone who's a partner of someone in recovery. It's helped me really look at myself and stay in my own lane and, you know, I've really looked at my food relationship, which is something I've looked at for a lot of my life. So I feel like it's been uh, six months of deep inner work. I, um, you know, as sugar is something I really struggled with and food just in general. And, and I started having it again in late, late November last year, like six months ago. And it, it was one of those things where it was this, I didn't really notice in the day to day how much it affected me, but I looked back you know, five, six months down the road and realized, wow, this has had a really big impact on my mental clarity, on my motivation, on my energy, on my emotional, on my emotions and my mindset. And so really learning a lot about that in my life and the way that for me, I have to view sugar as a drug. And so it's been an interesting six months and I'm really feeling, I'm excited because in the last, I would say month, since I've really been home from, I was Asia for a little bit, came home early. But since I've been home and had a little routine, I feel I'm finally getting that motivation to start getting creative again and building things. And, you know, I have so many different ideas for the next sort of the second half of this year. So I'm really excited. That's so amazing. I can totally relate to that. I actually, I just did the Hoffman process in um, St. Helena, California, and I felt the exact same way before I went there. And I thought I was so connected and so tuned in, but I wasn't. And what I realized was I had completely dedicated my life to helping women find their true essence and their light. And I had totally lost mine. I mean, it's just, I I just totally hear everything you're saying. And there's nothing more powerful than I think giving yourself the space and the ability to reconnect and find like that authentic self and and really what lights you up. So I'm so glad that you came back from Asia earlier or listened to what you needed and honored that. That makes me so happy. Yeah. You know, it's just, I think my life in the last few years has been a constant um, learning and growing of the intuitive muscle and the, the staying in your body and feeling your feelings and not letting ego or your mind tell you what you should or shouldn't do, but rather taking action based on how you really feel, you know, and and I, for me, food has given me an opportunity to really practice that. How do I feel? What do I want to eat right now? How do I feel when I eat that thing? What are the emotions I have right before I start eating? Right. Or just the intuitiveness of even my relationship, you know, um, with Billy, like, tuning into how does, how do I feel in this? And, And the truth is, maybe on paper, we've got a lot of junk going on right now and and it's not the best situation right 
But the reality is when I tap into my intuition and I stay in my body and I pay attention to the things that matter and the feelings and the love and the like the simple but really important things, they're there and they're loud, you know? And so I think this process of using our body's wisdom and getting out of our head and into our heart and and the rest of our body to guide us is so, it's just so valuable. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And I mean, you and I have so much in common. We do have similar journeys with self-care and all of that, but I know that you are so big. I would love if we talked a bit more about the self-care checklist. Like, obviously I'm very familiar with that, but for those listening who maybe aren't, I would love if you talked a little bit more about that and like how you developed it and where it came from and how you utilize it when you feel burnt out or even just day to day. Sure. Yeah. So the self-care checklist Jack's referring to is sort of a tool that I, well, it is a tool that I developed probably over the last four or five years that has just totally transformed my life. And really simply, it's a checklist that I do pretty much every day that helps me stay accountable to habit change, mindset, and then just my healthy habits in general. So what it is, is I started this checklist because you know, I was living in New York as a model, I ended up losing a bunch of weight because I've been a, I'm a plus size model. So I lost weight, lost a lot of jobs, sort of like downward spiraled, got into six figures of debt, moved into my parents' garage, was really struggling with my binge eating. So I was eating, you know, thousands of calories. Like one time I ate, and, and this was probably not the biggest binge I had by any means, but one time I, I actually wrote it down and it was like 8,000 calories in 30 minutes. And I was using food as a drug. And I remember sitting in my parents' garage where I lived and sort of just depleted and hitting one of my rock bottoms, which I've had many, but this was sort of my most recent one, I would say. And I, and I felt like I just found myself praying and I, I asked, what will it take for me to get to the end of the day and not binge? Because truth be told, when you're six figures in debt, it's also really expensive to buy that much food consistently every day. You know, you don't really think about that piece, but as much as it affects your body and your mind and your your mental state, like it also affects that too. So I remember it just clicked for me that I could create a little list of the things that helped me to not that helped me stay in the positive mind space so that I could ask myself, okay, what does it take to get to the end of the day and not binge, right? So I made a checklist and I wrote down when I eat clean, so like eating you know, natural foods in their natural state, real food, when I get enough sleep, when I meditate, when I get healthy movement in, when I journal, you know? So I wrote down like five, those five things. And each day I would just, ch- I had a little checklist template and I created a new, I just copy pasted it every day and I'd check the boxes and write any little notes if I wanted to that I did all those things. And I realized over time that when I did these things, when I checked these boxes, even if it was three of the five boxes, I was less likely to binge. And so I realized the power and what was missing I found in all the personal growth books was this tool for accountability, right? So I can read all the books in the world that say, practice gratitude, say affirmations, unplug from devices an hour before bed. Like there's so many things that we can do or we should in quotes do, but it doesn't really matter unless you do them. And so for me, I needed a tool. I'm a box checker. I'm a scheduler. Like I want something that shows my progress and that I can stay accountable to. And so I realized that this checklist wasn't just working for keeping me not binging. It was it was really improving my life. And so I started adding things to it and I would do affirmations. You know, I was sitting in my parents' garage, six figures in debt, writing, I am rich. Money flows to me faster than I can keep track of. And 
I started writing biographies of myself in the future every day. So Danica Brescia is, and I would picture myself in five years and think, what do I want people to say about me? And every month I would have new monthly challenges, right? So maybe I want to get in the habit of making my bed every morning. So for January, I say, I'm going to make my bed every single day for the whole month. And what happens by the end of that month is there's no longer willpower needed. It's more just something that I automatically do. And I take it and I move it from like a monthly challenge into a a checklist element that I do every single day. So it was really a cool way to tangibly retrain habits, to tangibly put myself in a mindset where I can go out into the day and make choices that support this bigger vision of myself um, and just to stay healthy. And so kind of fast forward to today, which is about four or five years later from when I initially created this thing, I've been using this pretty consistently for these last four years. And I'm not necessarily someone who's consistent at really anything. And this has totally transformed that for me. And so I use this pretty much every day. I usually take one to two, one or two days off each week just to get myself back into flow and to not get sick of it. But I use this every single day. And now my list is quite long and I have a little evening checklist that I do as well. But it's just a place to really go inward and to center, to make sure I'm doing all of the things that really support the lifestyle that I want to live and the dreams and the goals that I have. It's so amazing. I learned so many incredible tools just, you know, getting to work with you on the brunch series, things that I have brought into sessions with clients and things that I do myself now. I mean, like I end every night with appreciations and gratitude and affirmations. And I mean, I just think it's so powerful. It's a, it's such a tool and a key to drop us back into the present. I mean, gratitude, especially, but affirmations I found so useful if I'm feeling depleted in any way, I'm like, I'm a fucking goddess and I'm going to stand in front of this fucking mirror until I, until it's, it's in my body. So you post them every day in your story or two, like A and B, but what are some of your favorite go-to affirmations, I guess? Yeah, I would say, so yeah, what, what Jack's referring to is on my Instagram stories every day, we do a little poll where you can pick which affirmation most resonates or that you most want to embody rather than not necessarily that you feel it, but that you want to feel it. So that's a little fun thing if you need some inspiration for affirmations. For my own personal affirmations, I tend to be working on certain areas of my life at any given time, right? So one of the things that I'm working on and rebuilding in my relationship is trust, you know, and then there was some trust misused. And so I do affirmations about trust, my trust in people, my trust in the universe, my trust in God or whatever you want to call it. So I do some on trust. One of my favorite affirmations is I carry nothing that doesn't serve me physically, emotionally, or spiritually. So for me, that's just this reminder to shed anything that is not uplifting, anything that is not serving me. And sometimes negative, and a lot of times negative things serve us. Most challenges we go through are there to serve us and grow us and expand us. So it's not in that way, but it's just paying attention to it. What am I carrying around that is a weight that does not serve me physically, emotionally, or spiritually? So that's a favorite one. Um, I always talk about the money one, I, the one that I did for quite some time, almost every day. I, and I, I change my affirmations every single day based on how I'm feeling. But this one, when I was in debt for so long, I wrote, you know, money, money flows to me faster than I can keep track of. But what's funny is affirmations work. And four years later, when my businesses were thriving and everything was going great, money was flowing to me quite quickly, but I wasn't keeping track of it. I had some major issues. I had some, some fraud. I had some, just some unfortunate things happen. And it was a result of me manifesting 
faster than I can keep track of. And I think that's so funny now to look back at. And don't get me wrong, I'm not rolling in the dough. It's just a business that's bringing, you know, it's still always a, a growth process, but it was a perfect reminder that our words, we have to be really specific. And I think that's one of the four agreements, the book of the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Um, I believe that's the author. Don't quote me on that. But uh, one of them is be impeccable with your word. And that's something I know I'm really working on is, you know, it's easy to commit and say, hey, yes, I'll do that or whatever, or, you know, make these commitments, especially to myself and not do them. And I once heard of the Tony Ro- from Tony Robbins, I believe it was, who said, he's like, I just don't negotiate with myself. And I thought that was such an interesting concept. I just don't negotiate with myself. And I was like, oh, what would that be like if we never negotiated? If we said, told ourselves, I'm going to do this thing and we just did it. And there was no negotiation process. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Or, oh, I'm not worthy of that or whatever it is. Yeah, no, I love that. I really, I really, really, really do. I mean, I just think that it gives us this sense of personal power. And then that makes me think of, you know, this post you did, of you were sitting in the dressing room in between modeling shots and you took a mirror selfie, like in this white body suit. And you talked about how all these like familiar negative love patterns are popping up, like the nitpicking of your body. And you mentioned in that moment, like you just took your power back and like, it took a while for you to cultivate that within yourself. But once you did, it became a superpower. So for me, affirmations definitely help me cultivate a sense of power, but how did you cultivate that power? And I guess what are some other simple practices that you do now when you notice negative thoughts starting to chirp? You know, I was thinking about this self-worth and self-confidence topic because the truth is the majority of my life I spent absolutely hating my body, thinking I was not enough. I was a bigger girl. I dieted for most of my life. I was severely bulimic and using drugs and alcohol and just like my self-worth was horrible. And it took me a long time to cultivate. And I think what I've learned is the the way that you cultivate self-love is by doing acts of self-care. So every time I go to bed and I don't scroll my phone right before bed for an hour, or it's not the first thing I use, right? Or every time I choose to invest in having a clean space, whether I clean it or I hire someone to do it, every time I take the time to move my body, even if it's a 10-minute walk, that says to me subconsciously, you are worth taking care of. And that's worth is built into that, right? So I think for me, at least, I always want tangible ways to do things. I think the self-worth conversation can be very ethereal. And and sometimes it's hard to understand what, no, but what can I actually do? Because I can think these thoughts all the time, but like, it's not changing, you know? So taking action on things that are self-care will automatically send the message to yourself that you are worth taking care of. So there's some self-worth right there. But also for me, a big part of my own um, body image journey was through being a model. So I spent 10 years trying to lose weight because I always wanted to be a model, which is a whole nother conversation, right? Because the fact that I grew up and that was my passion in life was to become a model says a lot about what our culture values as important and successful and worthy, right? And the media, I never saw people who looked like me. I was a bigger girl. And today I'm 5'10". I wear a size 14. I'm plus size, technically. And I spent a lot of time trying to change my body to fit what I think this culture wanted from me. And when I finally surrendered after 10 to 15 years of this body struggle, I surrendered into my natural body size. 
And it was probably about two months later that I let myself just settle and I stopped dieting and and I didn't gain or lose weight. That's the best part. I'd put in all this effort for all these years and I didn't really have much to show for it. And I remember thinking, what if I had put my energy into something else, right? So I settle, I decide, okay, screw this. I'm sick of dieting. I read a book called Women, Food, and God by Janine Roth, who is one of my absolute favorite authors. Uh, If you do struggle with food at all, she is just so wise, super wise in this mindful, intuitive gentle, self-loving space. Um, I read this book and it sort of just suggested that there was a solution beyond dieting. And so I surrendered. And probably about two months after I did that, I was approached by some modeling agents randomly at Bank of America. And they asked me if I'd ever thought about plus size modeling. And I think that's such a sign from the universe. I always say that's such a reminder of it. Instead of trying to be something we're not, when we do our very best to be exactly who we are and not wear masks, and be what this universe made us to be, our dreams come true. And so I signed with them and and my, my modeling career, you know, I model for Old Navy and Target and Bare Minerals and some of these big brands. And, and my modeling journey has given me so much confidence. And a lot of that actually came through the medium of social media, because what happened was when I became a plus size model, I started following and being friends with other women who are plus size women. And they were sharing themselves on social media in such positive ways. Like you could tell when you looked at them that they thought they were sexy and they were, and they, they saw themselves as beautiful and it was contagious. And I filled my news feeds with these people and slowly but surely my normal changed. What I was consuming was essentially a message from the media and my curated media that my body was beautiful. And so I absorbed that and I absorbed it and I absorbed it and, and, and really quite unconsciously or subconsciously, it all shifted for me. And so I started really believing I was beautiful and I was just started posting photos of me and I sort of fell into being in this body positive space because I was a big girl who actually found love for her body. Like who'd have thought, right? So it was really interesting. And then I took a lot of that, what I learned through that body food journey and have sort of applied it into a lot of more areas of life. Yeah. It's so interesting that you said curated media, because I wanted to even ask you, like, how do you stay so positive and present with yourself while also sharing your life on Instagram? But I, I think it's so underutilized or not practiced enough, like taking ownership over the the feed and, and the things that you see on social media, you know? Today, we have such power to curate what we want to see. We forget sometimes, like if you're listening to the radio and an ad comes on, you can turn the ad off. You cannot let that messaging into your mind. Same with like a billboard on the freeway. Yeah, it's harder to see it, but sometimes I'll look at it and I'll start reading like a McDonald's ad and I'll stop myself, right? Sometimes if you wear like a rubber band on your wrist or a scrunchie or something, like you can snap that and be like, oh, that's me cutting off. Even if I'm at the second to last word of the ad, it gives you your power to say, oh, wait, no, I'm not going to consume this. Magazines, TV, uh, news, gossip, social media, we can use the mute button. We can unfollow people. Like There's so much we can do to control what we consume. No, we can't control everything we consume, but we tend to act more powerless than we are when it comes to what we allow into our mental space. Totally. And in, in a large way, that's just you know the basis of setting a boundary. 
how do you set boundaries, I guess, then when it comes to what you're going to share and then with what you're not going to share? You're such an open book, you know, and that's why I love you so much. You truly are and allow yourself to be as vulnerable as you feel you need to be and want to be. And it's really refreshing. But do you ever find boundaries blurring because of that? I would say probably the hardest boundary that I've dealt with in the last year was when we struggled through my partner's relapse. So he's, I I would not be here. I would not tell his story. It's not mine to tell, but he's quite open and he's spoken publicly about it. So that's why I'm just going to mention it. But it was really hard when we were going through it before he had been open about it and spoken about it. It wasn't my story to tell. And yes, I'm so used to telling people how I felt and how I, what was going on. And, but the thing is like, I wasn't, it wasn't appropriate for me to give away his thing, right? And me sharing how I was feeling would tell his story. And for me, that was a situation where I needed to say, screw social media, screw this side of what I do for business. Like this is more important to give him that space. And, and, and I can talk about this situation when, when he's comfortable, when and if, you know? And so, so usually what happens is in most cases, it's something that's personal to me and I have the choice to talk about it or not because it often doesn't involve me sharing someone else's story, right? I try and be really cautious with that. But I would say for me, I share while I'm going through things, but I would say I share more from a place of, I recently went through this and here's what I learned. So, you know, it's fresh, but I'm not in it. I think, you know, Melissa Hartwig talks, she says there's something along the lines of like share what's personal, not intimate or something. There's something she says that I really like and sort of like the boundary of sharing. But I will say for me, it just feels natural to share things that work for me. It's something I never feel like I have to share on social media. I never feel if there's a day that I'm like, I don't want to be on it. I don't have anything to say, then I don't, you know, And, and I think that's been a really beautiful thing for me. I'm now setting even more boundaries with it. I take Mondays off from social media Um, And I might start doing one week a month that I take the full week off. I'm just going to kind of feel it out. But I'm just learning. You know, you learn as you go. It's such a new platform in the grand scheme of things for everyone that there's no rule book for it. You know, so we really, it comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning is what it is, is it's intuitiveness. It's tuning in saying, what do I need right now? If you're getting on social media and every time you get on Instagram, you get off of it and you feel less then, or you compared yourself to people or something bugs you, then you need to take control into your hands and decide a to go through and unfollow anyone who brings that up for you. B to set boundaries. C like I have rules. Like I don't check it before I'm done until I'm done with my self care in the morning. There's the same with email. There's no reason I should let anything else into my psyche to like that can influence that beautiful time in the morning. That's for me. And that's sacred. So it's setting boundaries. It's sharing in a way that feels natural. It, it always just feels quite natural to me to share. And I, and I hope, you know, for me, I always just hope that when I share my struggles, that it can help someone else to find the re- kind of resources that maybe I did, or people reach out and they share resources with me. So social media has been such a beautiful thing for me. And I'm just so grateful for it and for the platform that I have. Yeah. I mean, I'm so grateful for your platform. You are like the epitome of inspiration to me, but. Um... Where are you currently drawing inspiration from? Like what has been super inspiring to you these days? So I'm a big, I like to read. 
there's so much information out there nowadays. And for me, oftentimes everything gets watered down because there's so much. And so I like books because I feel that someone took many, many, many hours of their life and they consolidated and cut out the stuff that didn't serve and gave me like all their best knowledge in this one little packet and said, here you go. This is my, you know, so I read a lot. I have been taking some online courses. I think that's been a really cool thing. It's kind of new for me, but I'm taking one right now where I'm learning to be a super learner and a speed reader. And for me, that was sort of one of those things where, and it's and it's not just reading fast. It's also, you know, a high comprehension rate, of course, is, is important. So I really am just always seeking to learn. But if anything, I think I learned the most from my partner and my relationships and you know, through the self-work, right? And just going inward and paying attention to what's hard or what triggers me. You know, there's been plenty of conversations when people reach out and they've said something that triggered me or I find myself getting mad. And I'm like, why am I so mad about this? Why am I getting so defensive? And there's always something to learn there. So it's just paying attention to that sort of thing. But I, you know, I seek inspiration in, in all places. I think for me, it's more than anything, it's within myself. That was one of the big lessons I learned the first year of this real personal growth journey for me when I got sober and changed a lot of the physical stuff. It was that the answers are inside of us. We just don't create the space to listen. I'm literally like shimmying (laughs) by myself. Like, I love that. I could not agree more. It's so fucking true. It really is. And that's another thing that I totally reconnected to doing the Hoffman process was like, I was so seeking, you know, validation and answers from, because I was so disconnected from me. Like it, it, they are so inside of us. Everything we need is in us. So I, I love, 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 love that. But I would love to talk a little bit more, I mean, about you and Billy, because to me, you guys are like the modern day Hollywood movie couple. What are the key components in your opinion to that true authentic love? Like, what do you think real love, what does it take? Oh gosh. You know, our journey has been interesting and I think I've learned, you learn more from relationships with other human beings than anything. And the truth is like, I think that we were given each other because we were finally ready to do the like crazy work you know like that is the the relationship work the work where it involves not just one crazy human and we're all crazy but another you know like that's the place where I think it's like oh oh you thought you had it all figured out well yeah it's easy to get your shit together when you're alone in an apartment journaling and like not dealing with and you don't have kids or you don't have you know like there's all these factors and then and then then you get thrown the next thing right so you know, for us, when we decided to take space, it was at first more physical space. But I think what happened was I didn't know at the time that he had relapsed. And but there was a lot of feelings like there was just something in the unseen that wasn't working. There's a lot of just sort of and we were both just not in great places after the toll that being on the road for that long and working that hard took on us. And so I think that when we decided to take space, it was really just how let's like live separately and see how we can exist together. But the big thing for us was let's not label this. Like, why do we have to label this thing? Let's just exist. Let's see how it goes. So then we tried time, like not talking for a while. And then we did talk and it's, you know, for us, it's really hard to be told to exist as anything, but 
lovers, you know, like us existing and trying to be like just friends. I, I don't think we can do it or maybe we could, but it would require kind of moving apart for quite some time, not being in each other's lives and then coming back together as friends if that's what we chose to do. But we just believe deeply and I'm so glad to have a partner that is open to sharing like he does. We believe, I, I really believe that everything that I'm dealt in life and willing to share can really help people. And right now, a big topic of conversation is addiction, you know, because that's just a big part of our life right now. I've struggled. I've been in, you know, food addiction programs for now five years, and Billy's been in recovery ongoing for quite some time. And addiction's been a big part of our life, and it affects a lot of people's lives. And not that many people talk about it. And so for people to hear it, not just from the partner of an addict, but also from someone who's gone through it, I think that shining our light on how it affects relationships is is a big deal, you know, and, and draw, it's no joke. Like people are dying every single day. And and Billy's situation is life or death. And I think that's been the really hard thing is we have to prioritize it. Our relationship comes third, you know, like or second or whatever, you know, there's a lot more that comes before it, but, but if we can't worry about our relationship because it doesn't matter if he's not alive and not to be so harsh, but it's the reality, you know, he's using drugs that can easily kill him. Right. And it doesn't make my addiction any, less because the truth is so how many people die from heart disease, right? So if you're over consuming food or you're like food, consuming food as an addict, same situation, maybe it feels more gradual, maybe there's less stims, uh, stigma, but all these different addictions out there, it's not just drugs and alcohol, right? So anyway, long story short, it's been really a big growth process for us. And I am not the relationship expert, but what I will say is communication and the work that Billy has done through his recovery um, of learning to how to feel his feelings, learning how to communicate, learning how to see his side and things, looking at your character defects, deciding what are those and where are they coming up in my life. And all of the work that he has done has made him such an incredible partner. And I learned so much from him and I can easily get stuck in my ego or get defensive about things or make judgments or tell him he needs to change something. And so I learned so much from him through that process. And I really, I think those 12 step programs and, and that space is something that everyone can benefit for. So I feel really grateful that that's what we're going through right now. And it's just this season of life. And we're determined to at least what we said is let's do all the work we can to try and make this work. And what I mean by that is doing the work on ourselves figuring out ourselves and how we are in relationships and let's do the work. And if at the end of the day we get there and we realize, Oh no, this just doesn't work. Then it doesn't work. And, and we gave it and we tried and we put in the effort, but I'm not just going to quit. And he's not just going to quit because it'd be easier to just start over with someone else, you know? So that's a conversation we've been having a lot, but just the fact that we can have these conversations and, and no one's broken and, and so offended and, and hurt, you know, we have these conversations a lot. So it comes back to communication, um, mindfulness, and um, just holding space for someone to be human, say how they feel, feel loved, feel not judged. Um, and, and that's been a big part of it. Beautiful. It's also like the power of listening. You know, we talk about listening to ourselves, but it's like listening to the people we love too. But I'm going to segue a little bit selfishly into my favorite part of all the interviews. 
we touched on this a bit, but I just, I want to talk about confidence. And I, I choose to have this conversation with all guests because we just all have such different journeys towards it ourselves and perspectives on what it truly means. So what does it mean to you to be truly confident in yourself? And do you think that confidence is something you can learn? So I definitely think you can learn confidence. I think it's something that evolves throughout life. I I definitely think that it can be instilled when you're younger and it's probably easier if that happens, but it's definitely not something that if you weren't supported and, you know, in that way, when you were young, I think you can still absolutely have it be a big part of your life. And I think it just takes work. You know, it's one of those things that is very, it's very gradual. I think it's a lot about controlling the messaging you allow in. And that's through relationships and media and a lot of the things that we talked about earlier. I think it's taking care of yourself. And true confidence means to me just not dimming your light, you know, in order to either make other people feel comfortable or not hiding yourself because you don't think you're worthy. I really believe that the most selfish thing we can do is not tap into our light and share it with the world. Because I really believe that we're all here for a specific reason and we're all, we all have a specific message or gift or purpose, whether it's to be the next Oprah or it's to be a mom to that specific child, right? There's, you know, there's a a wide variety and it looks different for everyone. But I really do believe that confidence comes from aligning with who you truly are and sharing that with the world. And, and, And when it comes to body, just because that's been a big part of my specific journey, Confidence is really quiet. And there's some quote that's like, confidence is quiet and securities are loud or something like that. And I haven't really thought too much about that quote. So I'm not saying it's the best quote out there, but but it just popped into my mind. Um, and I do believe that to a certain extent, right? It's just this real alignment and the fact that I don't have to prove myself to anyone because I know my innate self-worth just because I'm here. And I hope that as we develop as a culture um, and as a as a world, I hope that we're really instilling in children that they are enough just because they are here. They're enough just because they're innate, they're innate worth. It's about chipping away life now. Now it's about chipping away all the belief systems that are not true, that make us think that we're not enough just because we exist. And I know for me, I struggled a lot with that when I, you know, I found a lot of body self-confidence, right? Physical confidence, maybe. But then I got into the space of achievement and success and my worth being attached to how much I achieved and how important I was and how many, you know, so many people on, how many followers you have or how many people download your podcast or, you know, there's so much attachment to doing these days. And I, and I know my self-work towards confidence is continuing to find confidence, even in if in my darkest days, because hard things will happen, you know, and I will, I could lose everything very easily. And can I find confidence? Would I be able to find confidence in that? And the truth is, I don't think I would. And so that means I still have a lot of work to do because I confidence is not supposed to be related to outside factors, right? It's like an internal, it's an internal piece. It's an internal, internal sureness of your self-worth. So it's something I, I work on daily and I think it's just an ongoing process, but absolutely. Can we cultivate it and can we stretch it and practice it? Absolutely. Knowing what you know now, what would you have told your younger self? I mean, you came from a very supportive family, but what would you have 
told your younger self about self-acceptance or the importance of celebrating and just like being proud of what makes you who you are? I would remind her that oftentimes when we're given struggles because they're going to be our strengths, I wouldn't have a food business today or anything that I have today if I hadn't gone through all the pain I went through with body and self-acceptance and all that. So that's a big part of it. But I think just just telling her that she needs to, to not change herself, that the biggest, the greatest gift is and, and work that you should do is trying to take off any masks you're wearing and align with the most authentic version of you and how you were put here what you look like, what you have, what your talents are, what your skill sets are, like really embrace what you're good at instead of paying attention to all of the things that you're not good at, right? So I guess it comes back to really just reminding that girl that she can stop struggling so much. Oftentimes when you struggle and you keep running up against a wall or a closed door, it's a a reminder to take a different path, try a different street. So for me, 10 years of, of trying to lose weight and then just surrendering into exactly who I was, where this big dream of mine came true. I'm so glad I had that moment in my life because it was such a reminder of, no, we wanted you exactly as you were this whole time, but you didn't feel ready and you didn't put yourself out. There it was always like 10 more pounds, 10 more pounds, 10 more pounds. Whereas if I had just surrendered, you know, 10 years before, who knows what would have happened, right? And I mean, you are such a confident human being, but you know, what are some things that you do now when you realize that level of self-confidence or body confidence is feeling lower than what you would call your normal? Well, you kind of, you spoke to the post I did a while back where I sort of check myself, right? I, I step into my power. I just take it back. We forget that we can just do that. We can just make a choice, think differently about the situation. So I try and do that first and foremost. But like I said, when something is challenging me or I'm feeling insecure or something's uncomfortable, it's an opportunity for growth. So I often try and see it as that. It's like, how can I see the situation? What's wrong? Where am I not aligned? Like when I was in Asia, um, you know, a month ago, I was really like, my emotions were all over the place. I was just really uncomfortable. I was using food in a way that I hadn't used it in a while, just feeling like I was using it to numb out. And I really paid attention to that. And I paid attention to the dialogue in my head. And I thought, okay, well, how can I change this? And for me, a lot of it comes back to self-care. And I got back to eating the food that feels good in my body and moving and journaling and slowing down. And I got back to those things that helped me with my physical state, which then helped me with my emotional state. And so, you know, when, when those thoughts creep up, of course, and of course they do, don't get me wrong. They're, they're pretty limited these days. I'll be honest. And I say that not to be like, Oh, you know, I got this confidence thing figured out, but to prove that you can be absolutely hateful towards yourself and miserable and, and think you, your body needs to be hidden or you're not worthy. You can go from that, which is what I, what I came from and you can totally transform. You really can. There's the capacity for that. So, so I think the biggest thing is make sure that your outside messaging is telling you a story that is positive and anything that is making you feel less than, and that you can control and set boundaries with, put those in place. And I, and I think it kind of naturally comes, but it is, it's very, it's ethereal. You know, it's like, it's very, 
it's abstract in a lot of ways, but there are tangible things that we can do. Definitely. And that's such good advice. I mean, we have the power to focus on what we want to focus on. It is our choice. So thank you for that. That's beautiful. So this part is that little Spitfire interview. Um, It's my favorite way to end just because I think that with people these days and, you know, not you necessarily, but everything, a lot of things are filtered. And the goal of this little section is to unfilter it a little bit. I mean, you're taking that course on (laughs) on being a quick thinker, so this isn't going to be difficult for you. But I just, I'm going to ask you a few questions and I just, I kind of want you to say what first comes to mind, you know, no judgment, just curiosity. So um, how would you describe the feeling of being in love with yourself in one word? Whole. Love that. What title would you give this chapter of your life? The first thing that came to mind is like connected relationship, because I think it's easy to work on, not easy, but to work on you independently. There's limiting factors, right? To work on, you're just dealing with yourself. When you bring other people into the picture and you work in a relationship, it's like this next level of work. You know, it's this layer. And so that's what I'm in right now with my relationship and with Billy. And I'm so grateful for it because it pushes so many buttons, but it's like, I am expanding and growing in so many ways that I would never do. I would have never even known I could expand had I not had someone in my life mirroring and reflecting those things. Totally. I love that. What gets you really excited these days? Creation. I just love creating things. The reason I feel I'm an entrepreneur and and love that space is because I love coming up with an idea and taking it from something that doesn't exist in the world and making it tangible, turning thoughts into things. That is like, it just gets me so excited. So the idea of, you know, I'm going to do a mastermind and then coming up with all of what I want this to be about and how it can help people or coming up with different groups or different workshops or different events, like the creative process of putting something into the world excites me so much. So that and Model Mills expanding, it's just like expansion creation. I can't wait for it to expand to Chicago. I'm manifesting it. Yeah, girl, I got you. I got you. (laughs) (laughs) When do you feel most helpful? Damn, you know, it's hard because I'm tempted to say, you know, anytime I answer a DM to someone who has something deep that has like shared something deep and they've, they've said, you know, this has really helped me, you sharing your story. But I, I really feel like I'm most helpful in sharing just life as it is, like just existing, right? Like putting my things out into the world and the things that matter to me and creating something from them has given other people a thing to be a part of. My head chef the other day just just said some of the sweetest things to me and with her gratitude for being part of what we're building together. And, and, and to me, that's like the best part about being an entrepreneur and, and having a business is creating, having the opportunity to create a space where other people get to be involved in something they care about and they get to grow, you know? So I, I, that's been a really cool, a really cool piece of it for me. I love that. What's one weakness that you'd actively like to change or improve upon? Ego. So, and I don't mean that necessarily in the sense of, oh, I'm the best, like our Kelly world's greatest. I'm talking like, 
ego in the sense of there's a lot to this ego conversation that I'm that I'm learning and I'm reading um, a new earth by um, Eckhart Tolle and it talks a lot about the ego and the impact it has on um, pretty much every decision and taking us away for the from the oneness of the human experience, like how much we're all connected and how much we're all the same and how we need to just like behave in that way. So for me, I mean, ego in the sense of being so individualized, it's so easy because our consciousness exists in this physical body that we walk around in. It's easy to think I'm one, I'm alone, I'm an individual entity and I don't, don't touch me. Don't, you know, and of course we need healthy boundaries physically, but I think there's a mindset um, and I even saw it, in, you know, just seeing it in Japan, I really noticed the the level of respect for others that people have, right? In Japan, people wear these face masks, you know, when, when they're getting sick so that they don't get other people sick. Whereas, you know, I think in America, people would be more likely to put a face mask on to make sure they're not getting sick. So just like little things like that. I'm not speaking for everyone by any means. Um, that's a crazy generalization. But but I, I think it's just this intention, this aspect of seeing life on this planet and maybe beyond as um, as oneness and being in it all together. So I'm really working on ego um, in small ways, like through social media and big ways, like what I just talked about um, and just understanding that a little bit better. I love that. What is something that you take for granted? My privilege or not take for granted rather, but probably I think it's easy. And I'm, I'm hearing a lot of conversations around white privilege or um, some of the privileges in life. And I think there's a lot of hardships that I've never had to deal with, or I've never had to experience, or I can never even probably relate to. I can listen and I can be a, an ally, but I'm really trying to understand that more so I can be supportive in that space. And I can understand some of the things that had just been part of my experience since I was born. So they just feel sort of like a given some of those things that not everyone gets to experience, you know, some of the support, some of the messaging, some of the, you know, prejudices, all that sort of stuff. So I'm really, uh, I'm really wanting to educate myself in that space so I can be really responsible with my platform and my voice. What are three things you absolutely love about yourself? That ass. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, I do like my ass though. Um, Anyway, no, probably three things. My creativity, like we just talked about this, but I really tend to see what doesn't exist and how I can create it. Like that's my way of seeing life. I see what doesn't exist in a pot with a positive mindset and knowing that if something doesn't exist or there's a problem that hasn't been solved, there's a solution that just hasn't been thought of. And that creativity is really exciting for me. So I love that. I love my craving to help people elevate their lives. Like my craving to share what has helped me and my own experience and my confidence in the fact that that will help other people. And I, and I love my willingness to always work on myself. I'm obsessed with learning. I'm obsessed with personal growth. There's always things that I don't see. So that's the cool thing I think like I'm speaking about with when, you, when you're in a relationship. It's really easy to go through life and not see some of the ways that you are if, if you don't let anyone get super, super close. And it's not that the, the partner or the other human being is always 
correct about, you know, we all have opinions about how, you know, but, but if you have someone that you trust and that comes from unconditional love and can reflect to you some of the behaviors and thought processes, I mean, that's a really cool thing. So, but you have, until you have awareness around something, you can't change it. So oftentimes we go through that and we don't even have awareness that maybe we're, we're very ego focused or maybe we are not, or we are not, or we're putting everyone else before us. Right. And we don't notice that it because it's just our normal. And so um, for me, yeah, just that ability to always want to work on myself and grow. I love that about you too, because it inspires me. And, and my ass. <laughs> and your ass. And to wrap it up, one last question, the burning question. How would you define your inner babe? My inner babe, just light. You know, I do a lot of meditation and I'm in hypnotherapy and I do Reiki and I, you know, I do all, all of the things. And she is this just sort of this higher self version of me. She is this angelic goddess, like white light, humble, peaceful energy that comes out that can, that is in me. And she's bigger than me, but she, I see her when I, she's, she's inside me right now, right? She's, she's like shrunken in, but, but when she's out, she like takes up the space all around me. It's this large, you know, and, and that is, it's just, it's pure love. It's pure kindness. It's pure, just connectedness. And so that's the version of me that I strive to be. And, and I think you, if you can see her and you can be her. Right. And so I just try and step into that every day and I come nowhere close, but I see it. And my inner babe is just this version of me who is focused on love, who is ridding myself of things that hold me back, mindsets, inner belief system, toxic influences. Like, and it's just this pure white light love-filled version of myself. Oh, tears. I am like welling up. That was so beautiful. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Danica, for being here. I absolutely loved having you. This feels like full circle and it was an honor. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. I'll see you back next week for another episode But just remember that the inner babe, just like Danica said, you already have her. She's in you. So just keep tuning in to find her. And I promise we'll set that bitch free. This episode was produced by Dante32.